Back up, please. Hello and welcome to the Point Blank Show. My name is Abhishek. Our guest today is Ludwig Siegel, among the top tech gurus at The Economist. He joined the newspaper in 1998 and since then has written and edited stories in technology and covered the global IT industry. Today, all the way from Berlin, he's here to talk about ChatGPT and some of its wider consequences. Thanks a lot, Ludwig. Thanks, Abhishek. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, you've been covering technology since 1995. Uh, we spoke about it before the podcast, and that's a different era altogether. Before getting into chat GPT, Ludwig, could you just tell us how it was back in the day? What are your first memories of reporting on ground from that time? Yeah, I mean, it kind of uh, dates me. Uh, I've, I've done this for way too long. So yes, I arrived in the Valley uh, for personal reasons because my wife is from there in 95. I mean, I was a journalist. I worked for as a business journalist and had worked for as a business journalist in Paris before. And I arrived and actually I arrived the day Netscape went public in, I think it was August 5th or something in 95, <laughs> something like that. But the thing was, I had no idea. I mean, I didn't know what a venture capitalist was or an entrepreneur or whatever, how these things worked. The only thing, though, I realized is for some reason that this was important. Everybody was excited and things were happening and you could go to websites and you could click on links and that was all very exciting. So I uh, started reporting on it. And since there was no internet back then to speak of, uh, you could write a lot about it and sell articles. And so I was a freelancer. I, back then, I still wrote in, in German. And I sold plenty of stuff uh, to German newspapers. And the interesting thing, though, is, and it's, it's funny you asked that, is that, because um, we are supposed to talk about ChatGPT and all that here, is that the excitement I see in the Valley now resembles the one back then in, in, in 20 years ago uh, or 25 years ago by now. Yes, there have been other hype cycles in the Valley, the, the smartphone and perhaps the metaverse or Web3 or something like that. But, but this feels diff different. Yeah. Oh, well, then that's saying a lot because, uh, I mean, the big names like uh, Bill Gates has himself said that this is, I guess, as big as the internet itself and as important as the PC. Uh, so how do you make of it uh, to distinguish the hype from reality or the chatter from what it can do? Uh, how big do you see ChatGPT as uh, today while you cover, edit and... It's a very important development. The technology is very important with some caveats. I mean, you, it, it is quite exciting when you use chat gpt for first time and you have this machine answering to you in mostly in a very eloquent way that said i mean we also have to be a bit careful we are kind of trained we humans are trained by evolution to kind of get excited when some machine seems to be uh, like a human uh, a technology uh, uh, kind of think it's human quite a lot and of course these machines these foundation models which are at the ba basis or the foundation or large language models, I should say, uh, of, of these chat services and, and other generative AI services. They're not human. They can't even think. They don't know what, what they're talking about in that sense. But it is, I think, an important uh, technology because what these models do, they get trained on reams of data mostly, but also images, whatever. But let's stick with data, uh, with text uh, and, and, and lang language. And they kind of extract statistical regularities out of uh, a corpus of text and they learn uh, by doing that they learn how to predict the next most likely world word so they kind of they play billions of rounds of mad lips if you know that that game that kids game and and so they learn kind of the this kind of the statistical structure of language of knowledge 
And so that's what they're doing. They basically, when you ask them something, they parrot back what they've learned and say, okay, given all the words or the question, what is the next likely word and what is the following next likely word and so on and so forth, thus kind of string together coherent answers. And and they can be scary how coherent they can get, can't they? I, I was just listening to this very famous Canadian clinical psychologist, Jordan Peterson, and he was being that excited, uh, you know, 10-year-old, as you said, because as a human being, he was he, he asked Chad GPT to write him an essay uh, that was the 13th rule. He's written a book called 12 Rules of Life or something. And he said, write me an essay that's the 13th rule for Beyond Order, which is one of his other books written in a style that combines the King James Bible with the Tao Te Ching. And he, he said there was a tough one and Chad GPT spat out a four-page essay and he said he couldn't distinct. I mean, if you ask him, he wouldn't be able to tell if it was him who wrote it or not. So it is eerily, uh, you know, it, it's no longer middle school essays. This is like hardcore stuff then. Yeah, though, though it may also have to do something with Jordan Peterson and what he says, but okay. Um, <laughs> the... It, it, you have to you have to be careful though also that these models because of the way they work uh, they get things wrong very often and they what's called they hallucinate they fabricate answers and why do they get things wrong because they're trained on texts mostly texts from the internet and as we all know a lot of stuff on the internet is wrong so if they get trained on the wrong stuff uh, uh, and they think the wrong stuff is the most likely stuff uh, to answer so so they get it wrong hallucinating they do that because a lot of things they haven't learned once asked chat chat gpt to write a short bio of myself and it had it said i had a degree from oxford and the reason for that is which is not true the reason for that is that probably it has learned that many economist journalists have been at oxford and so that was the most likely uh, word or words it put in there and so that's that's how it makes mistakes or or kind of confidently says things which are completely wrong. Yeah, and no remorse uh, in any case, or there are no yeah. sources uh, that a search engine might give you that hey. And and there's also disclaimer that we are only linking you to other websites or blog posts. But ChatGPT, uh, I think I read in the Economist, uh, you use the word mansplaining. It explains stuff confidently without having any. Uh, you know, sources yeah. uh, and the like. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good mansplainer. Yeah, these, these models <laughs> tend to be good mansplainers, yes. But is it that this is the first time, would you say, Ludwig, that AI, we've been hearing uh, that for a while, and especially its uses in, in medical uh, science or agriculture, but is this rather the first time that a consumer has started interacting with a bot uh, in a manner that is so user-friendly. Long ago, you had told me uh, when we had met in a different era again, that if you have to write an article, uh, write it in a way that your grandmother can understand if the subject is quite esoteric. So it has to be that user-friendly. So here you can see everybody and their cousins using chat GPT, perhaps because it is that simple to use and you don't really need anything. As I mean, if you know how to write an email, you can use chat GPT. Is that one reason why it has taken everybody by storm, some hundred million users in the first few weeks since it was launched? Yeah, I mean, though, I'm, I think that, that I've seen other numbers which are mo more like 50 million, but okay, right. it's it's a lot. But I mean, back to the example of uh, um, the dot-com bubble or uh, the 90s when kind of the internet took off. There was a lot of excitement because of the web browser, because the web browser for the first time kind of allowed to kind of surf the net. And that was, I mean, unheard of before. And I can remember tech conferences where you had kind of a an old PC with a big screen standing around and, and, and people could kind of surf for the first time surf the web and you should have seen their faces. And I think uh, uh, that is quite 
similar to what's happening now. So yes, this AI stuff has been there for some time. Language models, large language models are not a new thing. I think GPT-2, which is the predecessor of the model that's now powering ChatGPT, is like two years old or something, mm -hmm. or even three years old. So it, I mean, this stuff has just been around and you could do it before. But I mean, that service, ChatGPT, kind of captured the imagination of a lot of people. It was easy mm -hmm. to use. Uh, a lot of young people could make use of it because yes, uh, I could write an essay or it can kind of have it write my essay, essay. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of I think that has created the excitement and that has shown also investors or entrepreneurs what you can do with that stuff. And that's kind of that kicked off the kind of a, an almost kind of a new mini industry of chat GPT like uh, services. And there's like hundreds of them now. Every day you have twelve new ones. There's a there's a Yahoo type back again. Yahoo back then, kind of one of the stars of the dot-com bubble. There's now lists and directories of these services. And it's actually, it's it's quite fascinating. Yeah, there's at least, uh, uh, you know, 100 guys on LinkedIn writing about how you can use uh, such uh, models to revolutionize or make money. Uh, whether it really happens or not is a different story. But yes, there is a lot of... Uh, chatter around it. One thing that I wanted to ask you about, I'm not sure because this is mainly a technical bit, is that Lex Friedman, he is an AI researcher and I was listening to a podcast that he was on with Joe Rogan and he was saying that even he or people of his kind do not understand what's happening here in that a lot of stuff that they are saying, they still don't understand how chat GPT can indeed predict the next word or the whole large language processing. Should we be worried that even the guys within the field who are contributing to it do not know what it will offer, uh, as opposed to, say, Netscape Navigator that you said back in the day, it was fairly straightforward that you piece two and two together and it should give you an output that you desire. Here, nobody knows what the next word will be or what is it that it might throw off. It's, it's, these models are very difficult to explain, and <laughs> but I wouldn't yeah. say... People don't entirely know what's going on. There's these emergent skills or capabilities they develop, but I mean it, it acquires these or exhibits these these new skills, and people don't quite know why that happens. That doesn't mean that they completely don't know what's happening. Uh, but yes, these models are are very complex, and the industry right now is in this race situation. Kind of, you have models racing against each, each other. Microsoft and OpenAI, AI versus Google versus Meta versus uh, Anthropic versus Cohere, whatever. Kind of, there's all these models, and they kind of they want to be the model to rule them all. And there, there's lots of serious people saying this could get go out of hand, or get out of hand, and we should slow things down. And I, I think I, I kind of tend to agree with this, even though I don't have an idea how how to do this actually. Kind of, can you force these companies to slow down? I mean, probably it would be healthier to. To have a bit more slower development to talk about things like hate speech. I mean, these things kind of suck up all these the speech on, on the internet and kind of spot them out. Discrimination. I mean, there's lots. Yeah, it's it's important to flood the zone with shit, kind of to man manipulate information by that. I mean, these these machines, these mouths are kind of the perfect instrument for that. So there will be even more disinformation misinformation. I mean, we could do with a bit less. And so, I mean, there's reasons to sit back and think about these models. That said, though, the models also get better in the sense that they they are hallucinating less. They get more factual. There's lots of kind of developments in, in the labs where these models are, are, are built. Let's see. Um, I mean, my personal preference would be, uh, let's slow down a bit. Let's look at what we're doing here. For example, make sure that it's actually not one model or a few models that win, but that we have a healthy competition between models. 
so the bias uh, that uh, the internet has with hate speech that you said i think was it i forget was it microsoft tay or j i forget which chatbot it was tay 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 there you go so i think they had to pull it down because uh, it got very creative in its abuses by munching on diet of tweets which are uh, tweets are generally not very uh, healthy uh, people like to you know call names to each other i think it used that and then it started giving out responses which wasn't which was racist if i remember correctly i was a few years ago yeah they they i mean people quickly discovered that they could kind of retrain that that uh, that bot and they trained it in such a way that it started to be nazi and that, that's when when microsoft had to take it down but i mean microsoft and openai and these companies have learned how to kind of avoid that or at least partially avoid that so what's happening before they let loose a model or or a chatbot they do something what's called reinforcement learning with human feedbacks which is mainly means that a lot of people kind of try to uh, uh, prod the, these models into uh, uh, spouting hate speech or doing something untoward and kind of then that feedback is fed back into the model and the model gets retrained so it doesn't do that well, some people have said that ChatGPT uh, uh, is basically also outsourcing that feedback. So they have millions of users trying to kind of prod this model into misbehaving, and they collect a lot of data, which then serves uh, or will help OpenAI to kind of build a better GPT-4. Right. So there are human lab labeler. I forget, I, human labelers or something is what I read, where there are human beings which try and nudge the responses in the right direction, or they at least rank the responses from bad to worse or good, or is that how it works? Yeah, I wouldn't say labeler. I mean that 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 that's a different task. But I mean they sit there and they they, they kind of hammer the, the the model and see how it behaves. And if they see something a wrong answer, they they tell it's a wrong answer. And I think OpenAI has, which which is the uh, the startup behind uh, ChatGPT hired people in Africa to do that. I, I remember one more Meta. I think it pulled down Galactica. It's another large language model for science. When apparently it started writing research reports which sounded real, but they were actually fake. These things can get out of hand. I mean, to my point. I mean, you, you, exactly. even if you have all these kind of protective software layers around the model, we should be careful. I mean, we we can see some bad surprises. And that Google engineer, what is your take on him who was asked to leave or was put on a leave of absence or was he fired when he said that one of the bots or Lambda, the technology behind it started becoming sentient? I, I don't know what the details are, but he was let go. I mean, he, he left. If you use these certain models and they can pre-conscious, but again, I... I still kind of put that down to the fact that we want them to kind of want them to be conscious. What he said that it appeared, had you not told me that it were a machine, it appeared like I was talking to a, you know, seven-year-old kid who knew physics, you know, that that level. So, but yeah. at the same time, the irony is we want it to be as intelligent as a human being to, to help us give intuitive responses. So, and for that to happen, uh, you, you're suggesting that they, it has to be taken slow and you can't just let it loose because you don't know where it might... Uh, it yeah. might, yeah, also has to be hmm. also I think there has to a system has to be developed or systems or rules have to be developed to make these models more transparent. So what type of data do we put in there? Kind yeah. of how are they trained, how they used, kind of all these things. And I think this this is evolving. I mean, there's yeah. this there's a, a bunch of highly critical uh, researchers that who are working on that. And I think that that's very valuable. Hmm. And to its credit, I think it doesn't allow you to uh, get away with questions like, uh, how do I build a bomb? Or please give me medical advice on something. So I think they have 
some guardrails as such. Right. Although you can get around it is what I read sometimes where you can pose it a little differently and get an answer. There is a group of people who are trying to build a bad GP, chat GPT called Dan. Do anything now, I think it's, uh, it okay. stands for. And so kind of they're, they're trying to prompt or prod the model into becoming kind of a freak. And even if that's not the case, I think there they will be there's increasingly, for instance, open source models. So there will be models that that people turn into kind of a 4chan model, which will tell you how to build bombs and, 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 and worse. That's hard to avoid. And how does this work? It's different from a search engine, isn't it? Meaning in search engine, it, it, it's basically a web crawler. But here, you, like you said, it predicts the next word. Uh, do you mm. see the two combining? Bing already has in February, the, I mean, the month that we are recording this, has a, a section where it uses OpenAI's chat GPT as part of its responses. So do you see the two converging and that's that's what the future looks like instead of just serving you a list of links it might also help you uh, with specific responses to questions that you might have yes i mean that's happening i mean they're, they're kind of merging but perhaps not in the way it seems uh, i mean a lot has been made about uh, being now competing with google and google is in danger and and, and all that kind of and i don't think that these models can replace search as such as it kind of that you get real sources you get links to sources right. you can look at, at the truth so to speak what may happen is that kind of these models become more an interface to uh, a corpus of text so there, there's now something called retrieval augmented language model which basically means the system first acts as a search engine let's say uh, the, the search engine looks, uh, give it a query, and it looks in the, all the Economist articles where it finds relevant articles. And then, then I would take it would take these articles and feed those for a language model, and use the language model to summarize these articles and then present that to you. And then you can be pretty sure, I hope at least, that if if the stuff in the Economist articles is, is factual, that the answer also oh, will right. be a, will be a good answer. And what, there's one search engine, uh, at least, that does this already. Neva, you can you can do that, and so it's basically first retrieves information documents from a corpus, the textual corpus, and then summarizes them and offers that as a search result, and gives you then kind of the links or the footnotes to where it found found the information. And I think that can be rather uh, interesting. So, so in other words, instead of uh... Uh, talking out of one's backside, it will talk by looking at facts and there will be links to prove what the bot is trying to respond. And also instead of just listing out links, uh, it might even, I think one one example that The Economist carried in one of his longest articles was if you want to plan a vacation. So let's say I have a four-year-old, I'm traveling with my mom and mother-in-law. I want to go to a place which is not too crowded and not too touristy. So instead of just you know having you to look for links which it serves up, it might try and converse with you to see what your tastes are and then get to an answer. So that's, it's yeah. a mix of facts as well as uh, the intu intu yeah. intuitiveness that you're talking about then. Yeah, but I mean, what's important here is that language model then doesn't kind of serve as the source of information. It basically is, is, is a tool to summarize something or reorganize right. something. And then it's, it's like the lack of factualness or veracity and, and, and hallucination becomes much less of a problem because you have an existing body of text which 
hopefully is kind of fact-checked and, 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 and it's, it's true. These days, we just don't know what is fact-checked, what is not, with, uh, especially after the 2016 presidential uh, elections in the US. But the Google's code red is that big news, which is out that Sundar Pichai in one of his internal memos also said that once they introduced BARD, its uh, purported competitor to chat GPT, he's actually yeah. uh, urged his employees in that memo that we are looking forward to get all of your feedback in the spirit of an internal hackathon more details coming soon. So he's urging everybody to test it and, you know, to see if we can uh, figure out what to do, because I think they, they would already have it in the pipeline, but it looks like they have had to step on the gas because uh, chat GPT is out and creating these waves. So is Google worried, even though, even though it may not directly eat into its uh, profits right away because bulk of it is from search. But is, yeah, is, is I think, I think they're, they're a bit worried. I mean, they're, they're getting, getting a bit nervous. Google had this um, GPT type model for a long time. And they had a chat GPT type service, Lambda, for a long time internally. And as far as I can tell, it's as, at least as good as, as chat GPT. And some people tell me it's better. Uh, probably depends on, on, on who you ask or, or what metric you tested for. But Google decided for lots of reasons not to be kind of roll it out aggressively. And that has to do partially because, I mean, they just want to do the right thing. I mean, they, they see this technology may be problematic, so let's kind of roll it out slowly it may be because they have a reputational issue they have a very politically kind of active workforce and and so for lots of reasons they didn't want to kind of be upfront and kind of roll it out slowly and running chat gpt is actually quite expensive so a query on chat gpt i've read somewhere is like seven times more expensive than uh, normal search as the incumbent you have no interest in kind of lowering uh, operating income by by using a technology that makes everything more expensive maybe maybe possible but now of course with open ai uh, and open ai is kind of is partially owned by microsoft and and bing now including kind of a chat gpt like function if only to signal to investors that they're actually not falling behind whether they really endanger in in three or four months bing it's going to be 60 percent of the search market or not and, and google is kind of going the way of Netscape. I doubt that. <laughs> right. I really doubt that. Uh, I think Google has uh, has lots of modes, uh, not least that people are kind of trained to go to Google rather uh, than going to Bing. That'll take a while to change uh, uh, yeah. the Google being a verb. You talked about Google versus Netscape. I, ha I remember having watched a documentary long ago where I think Google engineers pretty much were vengeful. It was an ugly war at the time where their folks worked day in and day out and just with their might they they put uh, Netscape, Netscape out of business there's no way that it's, it's way too powerful today to be unsettled whether it's uh, Microsoft or whoever uh, yeah. though if the funny thing is the funny thing is I mean Netscape was, was put out of its misery basically by Microsoft <laughs> which led to an entire uh, antitrust trial and, and, and it was and remember that at some point uh, Microsoft wanted to buy Netscape and there were negotiations and Netscape didn't agree that we want to stay independent. We need kind of a counter power in, in this in Silicon Valley. And, and so then uh, Microsoft went all out after um, after Netscape and, and, and succeeded. This time around, it's Microsoft buying the Netscape type company, OpenAI, or at least investing in it. And you have a big competitor in the valley, so that that that's kind of kind of ironic or interesting how how different the constellation is. One question will always be how is it that one can monetize this as well, right? Because finally the investors or shareholders will will be keen to know. So is that fairly straightforward? Where 
one could monetize such a technology or it doesn't matter that's a wrong question as long as it makes meaning it will make money as the investors usually say eventually it might just make money we don't have to worry about that now or is that something that companies are looking at yeah, yeah definitely that's that, that's a big question i mean i think the, the technology will stick around I, I think people will use it the question is how profitable mm. will oh. it be and and if you look at OpenAI right now, I think JetGPT costs them a lot of money. I don't know how much, but I think they, 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 they're definitely losing money. And that's why they want to move uh, at least for kind of a premium version to uh, a subscription, $20 a month or so. And I'm not sure how successful that will be. I mean, it's like it's more expensive than, than Netflix and and, and and students will share access and well, in the end, people don't want to pay for it, especially if they can get it for free on, on, on Bing. They will try to do advertising. But the question there is whether you can monetize these type of queries as easily as you can do search. Because, uh, I mean, search, you type in the keyword and it's pretty clear what you want and you can sell that keyword. And the other thing, of course, is kind of the question in this new stack, kind of let's say the generative AI stack, kind of starting with chips, then uh, then cloud providers that train those models, then the model makers, and then all these applications. It's not clear where actually kind of where the choke point is or where the kind of most of the value or the value will accrue. And if I look at many of the applications these days, Lots of me too, very interesting, but perhaps more feature than 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 a product. There's more and more models out there. Some of the models are open source, so that may become a commodity. And so I think the the people who who will make money are the kind of the the, the makers of picks and, and, and shovels, like in the gold rush. Uh, that's the cloud providers. That's the AWSs. That's that's the Azure's and the chip makers. Nvidia. And if you see Nvidia's the stock price, I think, is is, is way up in, in re- again in recent months because people think, yeah, they kind of provide the stuff that that uh, helps people train or the chips that help people train those models. When it comes to monetization, there are some cost risks here for model uh, makers or providers of, of generative AI services. One is copyright. Mm. I mean, these things are often trained on on copyrighted material. Getty Image already sued uh, Stable Diffusion or Stability AI, the provider of kind of that that art generating service. Uh, I think uh, big publishing houses or news organizations will also sue uh, and or demand that the model makers pay some license fee, kind of in the same way Spotify pays pays labels. Then the other cost risk is today uh, big uh, online platforms are exempt from liability so even if you say something illegal or or kind of libel somebody on facebook you can't go after facebook for that i'm not so sure whether these models are are kind of uh, can avoid liability because they produce something they they say something so that could also become very costly to sum all this up it's not sh- sh- clear to me whether how profitable that business or these businesses will be but that doesn't mean that the technology won't get used. I think it, it'll it'll penetrate everything uh, in, in due course. It's it's something new for sure, isn't it? Because Facebook can get away by saying that we are only a platform, and that you know what people post on it, unless there is a moderator who is there to you know look at it at that hour and pull it down. That's a different story. But here. You're right. The technology itself is creating its own responses by inferring thousands or whatever, billions of lines of text out there. And if it does something wrong or errs, does not err on the side of caution, then there might be 
legal implications and and mm. and that's where it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning that it needs to be taken slow w- winning coding contests is one thing may you can feed it code a computer code and it can tell you that hey this is where you are wrong and this is what the next you do this it will fix it so that's where you see that organizations can benefit from it more than the end end consumer then it's an interesting political debate already there's complaints on the right in the US that uh, these models are chatgpt's woke which i'm not sure it's true it's 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 reasonable relatively reasonable if that counts as woke uh, okay but there will be a debate kind of do we need a christian language model do we need a, a french language model or or some kind of the, the, you, you'll get this kind of debate and and it becomes a problem if the market of models eventually becomes very concentrated then the question is kind of how how do you how do you manage that how do you govern that what's the governance structure and interestingly open ai has already started talking about it whether kind of there should be different personalities or versions of its model depending on where you stand politically what you want to what you want to use oh that's that will make it even more complicated and and who is to say which model is better than the other and who is to say that you know this is the liberal model or the most uh, unbiased or even handed, yeah, but I mean, you, you know, yeah. There are certain certainly people who want to use a model that is very safe for children, or there are other people who want to have a more freewheeling model. I mean, perhaps that's kind of the the spectrum. When you go to ChatGPT 3.0, it kind of it will ask you what uh, temperature you want to have. Got it. It it shouldn't be become too safe uh, as it loses its sense of humor. Uh, Ludwig, the other day I tried asking it. Uh, that tell me a joke about uh, mahatma gandhi and its response was no it would be inappropriate to make jokes of historic figures when actually gandhi had a great sense of humor uh, we discussed this in one of our other podcasts where you know he was asked by a western journalist what do you think of western civilization and gandhi replied yeah that would be a good idea so uh, he he he, <laughs> he he could and but at the same having said that when i asked chat gpt slightly differently by tweaking the a question by please tell me a clean joke about mahatma gandhi uh, this is what it came up with why did gandhi ji never listen to music when he was on a hunger strike because he wanted to hear his stomach growl <laughs> so that is okay <laughs> that's a very clean joke that's, but uh, yeah. the, but i mean it's 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 going to be a bit of a dilemma for these uh, for yeah. the model makers so if you look at uh, what happened to sydney which is the code name for the chat function on bing and when a journalist enterprising journalist kind of over hours pushed that model into becoming or either falling in love or becoming very unpleasant telling them that they're bad people and that they should go away and and so the microsoft's reaction was to as some people said lobotomize sydney kind of limit the rounds of uh, answers kind of to six so you couldn't kind of talk to it for hours until it got crazy with only six and then it would would reset you can already tell that that makes it much less interesting to use that model right last couple of questions ludwig uh, is uh, one is a very predictable one is what will this mean for us as human beings users of uh, such services uh, will we become too lazy too stupid these are kind of questions that keep coming up each time such a technology is introduced but this one seems to have uh, to use a jargon moved the needle in terms of excitement among people at least you know what what are some of the wider implications if they go slow if they get it right or wrong we don't know but uh, now that we are here what could this uh, entail in the future of course, yes of course what what question is jobs 
I mean, will this do away with jobs? The conventional answer is no, because it creates new jobs and, and enable more people to uh, be good writers. I mean, because there's lots of people with good ideas having a hard time uh, uh, expressing themselves in writing. And I I sometimes get stuck and, and it, 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 writing is always difficult. So it, it, it could allow people who have uh, writing difficulties to actually become much better at expressing their ideas, which would be a good thing. There will be new jobs right now, kind of everybody's talking about prompt engineers, the people who can actually talk to the machines, kind of the machine whisperers or the model whisperers. Uh, and there's there's a entire group of a new profession being being created, and 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 so that that's the positive view. Negative is, I mean, there's just a lot of text produced nowadays that is not really read, uh, or will never be read. Annual reports, press releases, memos, uh, speeches, uh, what have you, which can easily be written by these machines. And so I don't know what what the result of that will be. Only one number, somebody uh, calculated that 13% of all jobs in the U.S. involve mainly producing text. And uh, I don't know, but perhaps they just get better or do other stuff. And so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But I think a lot of ta writing tasks will definitely go away. Right. I think it, it's a low-hanging fruit uh, for, let's say, there is a, a simple brief, a press release, and somebody wants to write a 600-word article, you just put the press release in chat GPT, and it will give you a pretty decent beginning, middle, and end. And it does a pretty decent job, meaning uh, it can do better than a few freelancers for sure, Where wherein those freelancers' jobs might be in trouble, but then the person who's writing the brief, if he gets it right, he will be rewarded because he's be, he's, he's using technology for his own good. It's a bit of both. Although a friend of mine, uh, he's a copywriter at an ad agency. He gave ChatGPT a brief and it, it wasn't terribly creative. It's still childish, but there might be a time when it might even get better there. If there's one thing these machines are not good at, it's creativity. I mean, they cannot, they average everything out. They look back. They're not forward looking. They're not surprising in that sense. So writing and uh, anything to do with creativity, it's, it's not going anywhere. It, it, it can be a crutch perhaps to help a little bit, but but if, if that day comes in our living times, then that'll be that'll truly be scary. It can, it can offer analysis as well as uh, put it in a way which is very, not too florid, but just right. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it'll, <laughs> it'll be a very exciting ride. Thank you very much, Ludwig, for your time on this podcast. Uh, this was fun. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, Abhishek, and thanks for having me.